John Romero, if you're listening, which you almost certainly are not, we just wanted to say that our ribbing later in the podcast comes from a place of love. We're still huge fans and have been for more than 25 years. You've been the soul of every company you've worked for, and we're really looking forward to playing Sigil. Well, welcome to ALH. Uh, Mark is actually here with me in Kirkland today. So it's a very special episode. Hooray. Uh, I love when you say very special episode because I always think back to the 1980s where uh, very special episodes were in comedy shows where the episode tackled some kind of serious issue. Yeah. Today we have the serious issue of video games. <laughs> there is no more serious issue than that. We'll, we'll start with a little bit of video game news. Uh, as you may have read from our little caption title uh this is a podcast about tech cars and nostalgia Mm -hmm. and here comes the the nostalgia part in that uh there's the 25th anniversary of doom recently and for the 25th anniversary of doom one of the creators uh john romero announced a mod (laughs) i don't know what to think i don't know what to feel i mean i'm i have both excitement and i have dread and it's all kind of mixed together. Design is law! So, uh, uh, you, you know how, uh, for those of you who are old enough, you remember when uh, the Star Wars prequels first came out? And uh, before the prequels came out, you had the sense of utter excitement. Like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. And then the prequels came out and you realized that <laughs> George Lucas kind of lost some of his luster. Well, um, looking at this... 25th anniversary of Doom, I kind of have that same feeling, like, oh my god, what if John Romero can't make levels anymore? Well, it's it's really difficult to know, because after he finished up on Quake, I mean, he made great levels for Doom and Quake, but it's been a while since then. Though some of his uh, later, like, mobile games are supposedly well-regarded. Uh, yeah, so the, the mod that Romero announced is called Sigil, um, and it's supposedly, like, a s- spiritual successor to episode four of doom one the artwork does look very doom on their box that is completely optional because the the mod is free you only pay money if you want the uh the the special box which has some goodies including like a like an extra track that was done by uh buckethead oh man yeah i'm i'm sold on that I saw there were two versions, that there was the $160 special special version, and then there was one that was supposedly just 40 Yeah, and you only get the uh, John Romero's head on a spike <laughs> statue if you pay the ridiculous <laughs> amount one. Uh, I don't know. That might be worth it. <laughs> what I hope he has on there is a little thing or a little button on the head where um, when you press it, you hear him saying... To beat the game, you must beat me, John Romero, backwards. You know, like at the end of Doom 2. I, I suspect that he would have to negotiate with Bethesda for that. <laughs> well, he could just re-record it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I, I'm kind of curious about this. Like uh, Within the pack itself, that you get the, uh, you get the soundtrack by Buckethead. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be integrated into the game in any sort of way whatsoever? So what it said was that... Uh, there's like a whole bunch of music that he that um, Romero licensed from Buckethead okay. for the game, and then there is one original track. Huh. Interesting. 
Okay, now now I'm really curious. What on what did he end up licensing? Is there a track list anywhere? Uh, I don't know. I don't think there was that mm-hmm. I saw. See, what I really want is I want to have it where I can load the game and have it play the music from Buckethead mm. specifically for each level. Mm-hmm. Of course, it'd be even funnier if there were MIDI versions of whatever Buckethead did. That would be awesome. Yeah. They, they used MIDI with the original right. Doom, so maybe it is a, a, a MIDI version of Buckethead's music. Okay, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sold. I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, there's also a two-disc booklet-styled case, a 8x10 print signed by the illustrator, a sigil-themed coin. Oh, there's the, the pewter statue of Romero's head on a spike, a T-shirt, two stickers. Um, so when I was looking at this, I was uh, kind of amused by um, this page in general because it's, apparently Romero is now on his, like, 17th company. Um, and this, this one is Romero games, LTD. But when I went to go and look at like, well, for example, when I went to the shop, I found that it's basically like all nostalgia pieces that he's just trying to sell. Like he has a original doom disc sets. <laughs> Wait, it says it's registered doom 1.2. Uh huh. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then like. Yeah, uh, the shareware version of the Quake CD. But does it have does it have the version of the unlockables with Q crack on there? I don't know. <laughs> the Masters of Doom book. Oh, signed by John Romero. Okay, Masters of Doom okay. signed by John Romero. Wait, did that say a hundred euros there? Because the shareware up there says a hundred. Yeah, hundred euros. Oh, a hundred euros. So I can pay a hundred. If I'm paying a hundred euros for a sealed Quake shareware CD. Then I am using the damn Q crack and cracking the rest of the games. <laughs> Even though you already own it. Even though I already own it, I'm doing that on principle. Um, yeah, so I was amused by his shop. And then I was also amused by like the bios. And the funny thing is, he is not the CEO of Romero Games. Oh, his wife is. His wife is. He is the COO. So, and he has long hair again. Which makes me think, is he just a mascot for his company? <laughs> the, the the symbolic head here. You know what I still wish I had? I, uh, back in the 90s, I made uh, an old meme from the 90s was something called Ate My Balls, where you had the name of a person and, you know, Ate My Balls and there's a web page. And uh, I made John Romero Ate My Balls. Yeah. And I ended up sending it to him and he ended up loving it. <laughs> I need to find the old HTML for that. Which is totally the kind of thing that he would say he loves. Yes, yes. I remember being a teenager and just being thrilled getting an email from him. Yeah, so... So this isn't just him? No, apparently he has like a whole group of people. Well, I mean, I get that uh, I get that his company has a whole group of people, but... Yeah, I don't know if Sigil was just him or not. Mm. Could always tweet at him. Yeah, and I mean, like, have you ever watched The World's End? Yes, a long time ago. So John Romero reminds me of like the main character of The World's End, where he's just like eternally stuck <laughs> where he was 20 years ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if he really wanted to do us a favor, he can try bringing Doom back to iOS in a way that will actually run now. Except that he doesn't have the light- rights to that either. <laughs> so he's basically doing all he can do. All yeah, he has the he can rights make to mods. do. 
Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I guess this whole podcast is degenerating into talking smack on John Romero. That's not smack. It's very, we're being very respectful of his nostalgic identity. What I'm hoping is if he does a 25th for Doom, is he going to do a 25th for Quake? Oh, probably. Oh, I hope so. He had some fun Quake levels. Yeah. Well, hey, he had some fun Doom levels. Yep. I would love if he did a Heretic or a Hexen episode. <laughs> that would be neat. I feel like uh, those games are really underrated. Like, people don't really remember that the same way they remember Doom. Yeah, I, I think that because there was less shooty bit, it was mm. more, it looked magic-y instead. Yeah, but, I mean, Hexen, with Hexen, if you had the warrior there, you were pretty much going up to things and punching them a million times. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, uh, it had a carnal satisfaction to it. Almost kind of like in Doom when you end up getting the, uh, you know, that... The pack where you pretty much have the fists of doom. Your fists end up becoming really powerful. Like the berserker one. The berserker, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. In a lot of ways, Hexen was kind of like that, at least in the beginning when you played with the warrior. Okay. But then there was the puzzle elements mm-hmm. as well that were really nice. Did you ever play through them all the way? No, I didn't. I think I made okay. it through maybe a third of it. Okay. This is where another podcast would put in some catchy music to break up the the, the segments. So next up, uh, since. Mark was able to come by. I I was able to show him a whole bunch of VR stuff, and I'm probably going to show him more on Monday. Uh, and maybe in the next episode we'll talk about that. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I, I I used the the Oculus Rift, so that's the one that he saw. I also have a Vive because I'm insane, but that is not the one that I showed Mark because I do not have it set up right now. Mm. So we did... The, the the standard Oculus Dream Deck demos kind of thing, and then we did Res Infinite, Super Hot, and Beat Saber. And let's just start off. Do you have any sort of general impressions? Uh, my general impressions are the the unit is so much better than the DK One or anything else that I've run into so far. But you're sad that like going elephants isn't there, right? Yeah, I would <laughs> I would totally play that again. I mean, I would pop a couple aspirin and then try playing that. <laughs> so, so going elephants was a DK one game where you were an elephant and you like had your you were basically charging through a level and swinging your head around trying to hit things with your trunk that like went around. And I don't think there's really been a VR game that was quite the same since. Yeah, I mean, I hope there's some kind of port or some kind of uh, alteration for it. <laughs> like, I'd love a game like that where you're an elephant, and since you have controls on these newer VR headsets, I'd love controls where you can pretty much determine which direction you're going to go mm-hmm. and still have your trunk uh, smash things. So it's not a so it's not an on rails thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily on rails. I mean, I mean, we'll get to it. But I mean, you mm-hmm. see, uh, you see the evolution of uh, Res to Res Infinite. I'm sure something would be possible. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Uh, you have any other sort of general impressions other than hey, it's way better. So I mean, the way it's the way it's way better is I mean, primarily resolution. What is the resolution on the? So it has a display resolution of 1080 by 1200 per eye, which is better than 1080p. So realistically, a total of 2160 by 1200. Yeah, and then it does that at 90 hertz, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I, the feeling I get from it is that it's it's so much easier to just forget that you're within the headset. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I mean, before on the prior models, it feels like uh, on DK1, it felt kind of like you were looking through a porch fence mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of it because you would distinctly see the actual lines, you know, the actual lines for the uh, pixels that are there. Where here, you um, 
you still see the pixels, but only if you really, really look for them. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that same kind of uh, there isn't that same kind of grid that's as visible now compared to how it was before. Um, there's still some things that I notice. Like, uh, I mean, I notice that there's some distortion when it comes to uh, when it comes to looking down and looking up. So with Oculus Dream Deck, one of the things I noticed is uh, in one of the demos in Dream Deck, you're standing on top of a building and you're looking down. And I noticed that when you pan, or not pan, but when you look down and then end up looking up, the um, the way that the angle, the way that it seems, it seems like the actual uh, field of view angle is off. Mm. So it distorts a little bit when you're looking down and up, not not quite like how um, how it works when you actually look are there and look at that in yeah, person. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if we had calibrated your interpupillary distance because so normally you can do it with like a little calibration thing where it mm-hmm. pops up a grid mm-hmm. and then you slide it. Uh, I wonder if we had done that if it would have been any better. I guess we can experiment with that later. That's true. That's true. But I mean, I can I can see the immersion. I can see how for specific audiences that it would be, you know, generally something pretty awesome. And when it comes to things like uh, viewing certain types of media, I could see that also being pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, depending on the type of media, I don't necessarily think that it's something that should be say 360 degrees where it's pointing, where it's always uh, where you always are expected to turn around Mm -hmm. to look at whatever it is that you're looking at. I think that if they have it where you have um, you, you have the VR headset on and you can end up looking left, right, up, down, say more like 180 degrees, mm-hmm. that I think that there's a lot of room for that kind of content. Yeah. Where you're pretty much, you're sitting in the position, but you're not expected to move around and necessarily interact. Right. But, I mean, it's neat. It, it is a really neat tech demo. But... What I find as well is that the uh, the graphics on there, it makes me wonder about the uh, the new uh, Oculus that's coming out, and the, the Santa Cruz, uh, yeah, the CPU. What's the official name for it? Oh, oh, you're talking about the Quest, not yeah, the Santa Cruz. The, the Quest, yeah. That how is the Quest going to how is the Quest going to handle all this? Yeah, it'll is be it? interesting to see because that one is also only sixty frames a second. Right. Yeah, and I can see the importance of ninety frames a second. It's not just, uh, I mean, not just for the display, but also for, um, you know, for head tracking that you move your head and you want it to pretty much update as soon as possible. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to get motion sickness pretty, pretty fast. Did you have any? No, no, I didn't. I had, uh, I mean, I felt like I had a little strain after a while. Like I just needed to take it off and kind of readjust my focus. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things with the Oculus is that I find you're always focused in one position the whole time unconditionally. <laughs> It's basically set at infinity. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it's kind of like when you look at, think of it kind of like looking at a screen for too long. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt with that. Maybe it had more to do with the brightness level than it did the focus, but I felt, I felt that there was a little bit of eye strain coming on. Okay. Nothing, nothing headache related though, which I'm really happy about. It yeah. shows a lot of promise. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll go into the next thing, which was the intro app. And that's like a collection of basically little demos there's like a room that's like full of pipes and then there's like a dino- a raptor that you can look at and an alien and a little model town. And at the very end, we'll put in our spoiler scream here. Um, like we can put in the Wilhelm scream or something. Yeah. Spoiler scream, <laughs> Wilhelm scream. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear.
Uh, then there, at the end of the demo, there's a T-Rex that walks by. I mean, the T-Rex is the neatest part, Yeah, I think. And it's really cool how it's like you can see its spit coming at you, and <laughs> you just need to flick yeah. water at someone. Yeah, the only thing that was disappointing is they couldn't use the Jurassic Park sampling for that. Because, <laughs> I mean, the uh, Jurassic Park made the T-Rex, for me, have a very iconic sound. Oh. Where it's like a roar, but also kind of a scream at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking you meant the the John Williams score. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Although that would have added to I should have put that in, yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> we could use that for the um for the spoiler <laughs> the spoiler copyright infringement going back to doom that was one of the funny things i heard about uh the making of doom is that the musician uh bobby prince who did uh, doom and doom 2 he was also a lawyer so he knew how, <laughs> so what he did is he ended up taking songs from say metallica and megadeth and pantera and ended up changing just enough notes to not violate copyright. Nice. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we need to do that <laughs> with our podcast. Our podcast intro music is just a uh, slightly modified version of the Jurassic Park theme. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. It's called Aliens Land Here, but they talk about technology, but they have a dinosaur intro. Well, you know, what would actually be better is uh, modifying the music to E.T., <laughs> that was one of the things in the uh, oculus intro or the oculus dream deck was uh there was an alien there and the alien was kind of like a copyright free et there yeah <laughs> his nose was a little less pointy yeah and he was uh, taller and he was taller and his body was a little different it was kind of like a cross between et and the uh the aliens from half-life vorta gaunt so i mean it was rip off et mm-hmm. but i mean I'm happy to look at rip-off E.T. within a VR headset. <laughs> then there was the one where they had the uh, little musical production with the robots. That was neat. It was hard to track. It was hard to keep track. Oh, okay. Like, I felt uh, looking through that, like, okay, where am I supposed to look? And I feel like uh, that's one of the things within VR that I think uh, is going to have to be addressed better is giving giving people a good cue on where to look at a specific moment if you need them to look in a specific place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, though, if you checked the, the industrial robots in general, you're generally okay. Yeah, that's generally what I was doing, but I was kind of waiting to see, okay, am I missing something? I would end up, uh, there's a rubber ducky in there, and I'm looking, I'm looking back saying, okay, is the rubber ducky, is something going to happen with that, or is the rubber ducky just gone? Oh, they're fighting now. Okay, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the spells were cool when they go. Yeah, it was. It was like, it was like Harry Potter with robots. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what it's like. Yeah. Harry Potter with robots. Yeah. All right. Now that we're done talking about 2016, let's go to what well, was Res Infinite release 2017. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I know the perfect group for uh, for this podcast on Reddit. There's a subreddit called Patient Gamers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, where it's pretty much people, for the most part, it's people who are waiting until games are on sale. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I can get this game for, what's a good game that I can get for 15 bucks? It's really, really good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So, next one is Res Infinite. For those who have not played Res, it is a sort of psychedelic shooter game where you float through space and, um, 
drawing boxes around enemies that then shoots them in time with the music, but that's sort of underplaying its effect a bit. Right. And then also the rumble pad that goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the, yeah, the rumble pad, they had like the, the trance vibrator Mm -hmm. that went along with the game that uh, went in time with the music. Anyway, um, I played, I want to say first played resin, what, 2000, 2001. For me, what was really special about Res the first time I played it was that it was the first game I ever played that was tactile. Oh, okay. In that it actually, um, you could feel the uh, the music track pulse mm-hmm. on the controller along with you doing, you know. Yeah, I think that added quite a bit to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's a rails, it's a rail shooter, which there were a lot of games that were rail shooter, but it had a very distinct aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about Res is since uh, Res is very heavily um, in not so much things with textures, but actual, uh, you know, more solid shapes and polygons is that when you remaster it for something like uh, HD, it ends up coming out really, really well and looking really, really fresh. Mm-hmm. They actually, uh, what was it, Sega? So Dreamcast, and I think Dreams, PlayStation 2, I think, was after that. Mm-hmm. And then they did Res HD for the Xbox 360 and Res Infinite for the PlayStation 4 and Windows and apparently Android. Yeah, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I remember uh, being really excited when Res HD first came out for the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And it just looked, it looked so much better and worked so much better. But when Res Infinite came out, uh, I don't have uh, I don't have PlayStation VR at all. So I remember playing it and being, you know, thrilled to be able to play the actual Res again on a modern console. But being really completely underwhelmed with the new level that was VR specific that came with it. How was your opinion modified after playing it in VR? Uh, in VR, I get it. That that's the thing now is like it actually makes sense. On the actual, when you played on a TV, you have the controller where the controller dictates which direction you're going. Mm-hmm. And in VR, it's pretty much you end up going where you end up looking. Yeah. So rather than it being a rail shooter, it ends up being something where uh, it still feels like a rail shooter, but you're going off in a direction. You're going off in a direction that you state or that you're pretty much dictating mm-hmm. by uh, by whatever direction your head's going. So it feels a whole lot more cohesive and fluid playing it through VR. Now, uh, I mean, my complaint, I mean, my complaints with it is that I still think it's too easy. Mm-hmm. That one of the nice things about Res is that when it came down to it, Res actually got pretty hard when you were trying to uh, when you're trying to unlock all of the really, really hard bosses. Right. But I feel like it's kind of like it's like a love letter to the original Res, but they made it a little too easy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I think it's like a, a treat similar to the playing with the gravity gun at the end of Half-Life 2. It's, it's supposed to be like a little candy, like, you beat it, so here's your reward. Okay, yeah. I'd love to see a whole game. Off of the based off of the mechanics within um, within Area X. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I want to say Area Ten. Thanks, I was Apple. about to say, are you, are you sure you don't mean Area Ten? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I would love to see a whole game based off of that mechanic. It's just I don't think it's that. I think the feasibility of it is kind of hampered based off of the fact that VR adoption isn't that great right now. 
That's true, though. This particular developer does seem really into making VR games. Um, mm -hmm. They also just released for the PSVR a game called uh, Tetris Effect. Oh. I haven't played it, so. It, but my idea of it is it's basically Tetris plus res. Mm -hmm. And um, you're, you're playing Tetris in VR with sort of like crazy stuff that happens to the music. I'm trying to figure out how that would even seem. I mean, how? Yeah, so this developer has done a lot of music-related things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's that and Luminous, and I guess he started off with, what, Space Channel 5? I haven't played that. Okay. I rented it once. Okay. But it's another... That was, like, his first music-slash-game game. What platform was that on? I want to say... I think there was a Dreamcast version for that also. Mm -hmm. Um... There might have also been like a PS1 or something version of it. If I had more time, I'd like to play the actual original Res with the VR headset on just to see about what that would be like. Maybe on Monday. Maybe, yeah. All right, so next is Super Hot. Super. Hot. Super. Hot. Okay, Super Hot. Super Hot's great. <laughs> super Hot is... I mean, I see what people mean about how that's the kind of game that you can only realistically play on VR, that it makes sense to have it on VR and not anywhere else. The premise of Superhot is that time only moves when you move. So uh, you're battling people and uh, they end up firing bullets at you and you are able to dodge the bullets due to uh, pretty much standing there and then just jumping out of the way. And it ends up becoming kind of puzzle-like because eventually you end up fighting a whole bunch of people at once. And you're trying to figure out, okay, where do I go next? Yeah, so there's a lot of like, okay, so if I move my arm, I, I can move my arm to there and get that gun before they shoot, shoot the bullet at me. And then move uh, as after they shoot it, I can move slightly to the side and fire my own gun So because time speeds up again when you fire your own gun uh, and take that shot. And then assuming that connects, I can move to the side and get uh, away from the other guy's next shot. Um, and it, it's very interesting. And it, it, it requires a lot of spatial awareness and spatial movement. And the game simply wouldn't work outside of VR because of all of the movement uh, in actual space that's required. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the fact that it's, it's um, first person. Yeah. It's completely first person. I could see it working if you had something that was potentially third person, but it would be a completely different game. Right. But overall, I mean, the concept for it is great. I mean, graphically, it's it's okay. It's stylized. I mean, it's very, very basic and stylized, but, yeah. but that's, that's all, okay. All of the enemies are basically made of red glass. Mm -hmm. It's like you're fighting red putties from Power Rangers, kind of. <laughs> Guys in pretty much full body suits. Okay. I'm trying to think of what they're called. Morph suits. Okay. Is that right? So, I have no uh, idea. Yeah. So in our, the original Power Rangers, it's like you and they ended up, uh, you could destroy the putties by pretty much punching them in the right spot on the chest. Oh, okay. And this kind of reminded me of that and the fact that, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'm positioning my hand in the right position. And, okay. Got you in the chest. You're dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a weird association. Yeah, but what's also cool about Super Hot is there's not only is there punching, there is also throwing stuff at your enemies, and then there is also firing bullets at them. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's kind of the the mechanic is really really neat, and uh, 
I'd love to see more of it, and I'd love to see it a little more polished. And they, they do, this developer has actually been pretty good about releasing updates for it. Like originally it was, I think, just the levels, and now they have like this infinite mode where it just you just start and it gets progressively harder as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're doing a lot to, to make it better, I think. Mm. You didn't get to see it, and this is a, a minor spoiler, but later there's another mechanic where you basically use, you can use magic effectively. Okay. So basically you go, and then the, and then the enemies explode from from afar. Okay. I mean, that's not going to really translate on a podcast. The, uh, it's err, I tell you. The hand motion you did there, yeah. I, I was shaking my hands back and forth together. Like, yeah. like I'm about to do the Montgomery Burns, like, excellent. Except that it's shaking back and forth instead, like I have Parkinson's when I get close. Hey, and I was actually doing that earlier with the hands and super hot. I was kinda, <laughs> I was seeing if I could do the excellent sort yeah. of gesture. So, hey, I kind of have it there. Yeah. You would just do that and you would be holding the triggers and that's what you would be doing to explode your enemies from afar. Nice. Now, the disadvantage of using that is that time keeps going as normal. When the whole time you're pressing it, it take, take, takes a couple of seconds okay. for it to work. So you have to make sure that nobody's going to shoot at you for the, within the next couple of seconds, at least. Uh, what I would love to see is being able to throw a fireball. Ha, Duken. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a game called Unspoken by Insomniac Games that uh, it's effectively a game where you're all magicians Okay. And you can be different types of magicians mm-hmm. and you're battling against each other. And one of them has one of their spells is having a fireball that you can throw at them. Okay. But what's the gesture look like? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's like that. If that's uh, you a, know, it's not, I didn't, it's not like the, the gesture in Street Fighter 2 with Ken and Ryu with their hands apart see, gesture. But. See, because that's what I would like in a game is being able to do that gesture and have a fireball come out would be maybe, great. Maybe there's a mod for it. Okay. Yeah. But all of the spells have some sort of gesture that you do before you... And I actually haven't played that one very much, but it's supposed to be good. I have it because it came as part of a pack of games. Oh, man. I, I, I could basically show you VR games like for days. I have way too many of them. <laughs> yeah, so you basically did like the Humble Bundle, except buy every VR game you can find. It's similar to that, but it was like one of their holiday sales where they had a bundle of like five games and like I wanted four of them. So nice, nice. All right. So do you have any more thoughts on Super Hot? No, I'm just gonna have to play more of it. It is it is a really great game, and that and since it's not that graphically intensive, it it does seem like the quest will be a very good platform for it, assuming that it's tolerable to have the 60 frames a second instead of 90. Yeah, fair enough. But we'll see. Next up is Beat Saber. So the idea behind Beat Saber is it's like Guitar Hero, except that you cut things with lightsabers. Yep. It's kind of like it feels like Jedi training. Feel the force of the beats. So (laughs) do it. Cut it. (laughs) So uh, Beat Saber was actually probably my favorite game out of everything that I'd played so far is that I, I think what it is is that I played so much of Guitar Hero over the years that it felt kind of natural to be able to either hit something or cut something according to uh, according to rhythm. Mm-hmm. So it felt like a fairly natural, uh, you know, a fairly natural game for me to get into. Yeah. I, I think it's a really great game because 
doing things in time with music is inherently fun. Cutting things with lightsabers is inherently fun. Yeah. Putting them together is sort of a yeah. no brainer. And it's really surprising that it took as long as it did. Yeah. Uh, my one fear is though, with beat saber is that if I ended up getting one of these units, I would want to have something to attach to my hands because I could easily see letting go of a controller and one having moment. it smash into your TV. One, one, one moment. Oh, well, okay. So what I'm doing is I'm showing Mark <laughs> a little loop that he was not wearing while playing okay. this game. See, now that, that, that <laughs> I blame you. I have my headset on, you know, I put the headset on and you're handing me the controller and you're trying to orient it so that my hands. I was on trying right to be sleeve. efficient and I just okay. trusted that you would not throw okay. a controller at my TV. Yeah, I was really worried about throwing a controller at your TV. Okay. Okay. So now, so with that, you'd get you could get more into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've noticed that there's like a couple of different ways that people play Beat Saber. One is like they're just sort of moving their wrists in minimal motion, and mm-hmm. that and um, sort of like they're conducting an orchestra. Yeah. And then the other is like doing the real like big slashes where their arms go all the way across I, and <laughs> actually look like they're having using a sword. I found that uh, I was alternating between the two. Yeah. That sometimes I'd be just flicking and then sometimes I would be uh, I would be actually doing an actual slash. Yeah. And I find the uh, I find the slashing more satisfying. It's just the flicking is less tiring. When I have, when I've just started a song and I don't know what's going on and a whole bunch of like little blocks are flying at me at once, I have a tendency to flick just because I don't know what sort of fluid motion I can make that would get all through the blocks. That's fair. Uh, but definitely the 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 sword large slashing is way more satisfying oh yeah absolutely the part i don't like i don't like being forced to duck and (laughs) yeah because i mean right now i'm not in the best of shape right now so i mean i'm like okay now i'm gonna have to squat and all that but i suppose that uh (laughs) it's good for you yeah it's good for me and if i had this i would actually i could see playing it enough that you you get good at your squats well i would actually yeah what I would actually do is I would turn out the workout the workout app on my watch uh-huh. and just do this for half an hour or an hour. Yeah, there's um actually a website for um the best uh, Beat Saber mod tracks to play for a workout. Has is a reasonable list of fun tracks. Um, that's the thing with this game. So the the actual game itself only has um, ten tracks, mm-hmm. but the modding community has like created a bunch of plugins. The modding community made a plugin DLL for this app, where from within the app itself, you can go and download new modded songs. Yeah. And so it's they added like a new UI. They added like a, a communal scoreboard for <laughs> these new communal made songs. Like, I, I don't know if it was because the developer decided to make it, like, super moddable intentionally, but I didn't see, like, official documentation on it or anything like that. Uh, I feel like he did it specifically because the only way to realistically get a whole bunch of people into this is piracy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it, it's like, yeah, some of the original songs that came on it are very cool, but they're not uh, they're not things that you identify with right away. Yeah. Like, I found... Um, I was playing like "Beat It" by Michael Jackson, and it's like you know. Yes, I, I own this actual Adam, so I don't feel bad about it. Okay, <laughs> so I'm actually I'm playing the song, and uh, it's like okay, I know the song and I know the beat, so I feel like okay, I just need to make it where my hands go, my hands go where the arrows say for them to go. Right. 
And if and with a well tracked song, it's usually a fairly natural des- uh, direction for them to go. Sure. And that's uh that's what separates a lot of the the better tracks, user made tracks from the worst ones. Is like some of the worst ones have some kind of awkward positioning. Like they're they're difficult, but they don't but they don't work. Yeah. And I think that I think that as an example, beat it worked pretty well. Yeah, and I mean, I find with this. Uh... A big part of it as well as what instrumentation are you following? Are you following the, you know, are you following a drum beat or are you following, like, say, the guitar riff in a song? Mm-hmm. And this definitely works better for drums, I think. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, say, for instance, somebody decided to port Jordan by Buckethead over to this game. I don't think they should necessarily follow the guitar part, but <laughs> rather, you know, rather the actual drum there's part. A, there's a Dragon Force track. Of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. There's also um like a there's one that's supposedly even harder that's like this Doom track. Doom like track. like the 2016 Doom Oh, I see. Um, okay. music and it's supposed it's an expert plus track only. Okay. Um then I started playing that not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's it's yeah. I feel like it it takes time for me to actually have it grow on me. Compared to actual regular old school Doom. Okay, but I think unlike Doom Three, it's like actually fast. It, yes, it's actually fast paced. Yeah, as opposed to you know just scare. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, th- I think that I think the reboot is pretty good. Personally. They got they got the pacing. Yeah, they got the pacing of it right. It just it feels weird that you you have you know you're looking up and down, which is mm-hmm. kind of still weird for a Doom game. <laughs> you have jumping. You have, uh, you know, you have inventory and you have weapon upgrades and all this kind of modern stuff in there is kind of strange. Yeah, but a lot of it is optional. Okay. Like a lot of the upgrades and stuff, like you don't have to do that. You're mm-hmm. fine if you just like go through the game tearing everything to bits. Uh, and that that's another thing I find kind of weird is that so much of the game is based off of just basically tearing things apart. Oh, okay. And you're encouraged you're encouraged to rip the enemy to shreds in well, order to the, get help. The reason they did that is because modern shooters, like if you weren't encouraged to get up right in their face mm-hmm. everyone's just going to go back behind cover and do the pop-up thing and that's that that's wouldn't be sad. fun at all by by having you get health by doing the little finishers mm-hmm. that forces you to go right up next to your enemies which is much more of a original doom feel yeah, than staying back to try and avoid getting hit so it's forcing you to be melee right but, i mean even in the original doom i found that i did a lot of camping and okay. i did a lot of uh, i tried to play it strategically and have cover half cover and then come out and snipe at things that was not the intent okay (laughs) (laughs) yes your intent is to go up to the cyber demon and punch it to death yes i've actually seen that i've seen video of that oh my god that looks fun insane but fun that seems like it would be difficult to dodge oh yeah back to beat saber (laughs) but you're hitting those notes to death there's, yeah. there's our transition. Yeah, you're hitting those notes to death, and it's uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, and I'd love to see it expanded upon. Is there there's multiplayer? I don't think there is currently. Okay. Um, it's still an early access game. Mm-hmm. My worry is that it becomes so popular that their little add-on store goes away. Yeah. That eventually it's just going to be songs that uh, songs that they make rather than songs you can import right. into the game, and that's that's what their uh, that's what their official plan is is mm-hmm. to get a number of other artists that officially put their stuff into the game. See, I mean that was one of the issues I had with Guitar Hero and Rock Band was that uh, 
you did get a store and you did get a bunch of songs on it, but if there wasn't the song that you specifically wanted, you're kind of out of luck. Mm-hmm. I think that if it stays low profile enough, then the, <laughs> the songs will remain. I think worst case scenario, you'll have to combine your own audio track with um, their mappings with, with like a user created mapping. So what you're saying is you're hoping that VR doesn't succeed. No. <laughs> Just that this doesn't. Uh, I, I'm hoping that it succeeds well enough that they keep working on it, okay. but not so well that they attract the attention of the FBI or whatever. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and were... I guess it wouldn't be technically them. It would be the modders that or they would be like those websites that are hosting the tracks. Mm-hmm. You're wishing a life of slavery and servitude for the developers. <laughs> success enough that you end up supporting it indefinitely (laughs) but never ever bought out by a bigger company uh i'm a horrible person (laughs) i actually had heard about beat saber a while ago but didn't actually download it until i guess two nights ago oh wow and so um I, I have not been very productive at night since downloading it. Understandably so, yeah. I got my son to try it, and he really likes it. My wife also tried it and likes it better than most other VR games. Mm. I, I kind of expected my son to be better at it, but maybe I'm only better at it because of all the Guitar Hero training. See, you got to get him to work on that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll want to play it tonight. <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh, and before we're done with Beat Saber, I wanted to show you the Penny Arcade for it. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, the, the Penny Arcade comic for Beat Saber is it has a really cool looking ninja guy for how you feel in Beat Saber and how you look in Beat Saber is like destroying your living room. <laughs> Yeah, because I actually, I felt kind of badass. <laughs> so yeah. now I know, great, now I know that I'm not looking badass at all. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. I'm, I'm sorry to put a damper on that. You just just pretend that you're, you're still badass when you're in it. Okay, so I think that concludes our uh, little VR section, our... Are you going to get a VR? Are, are you going to get a, a Rift or the Quest or anything? If I do, I'm going to wait until the next generation of Rift. So are you going to get one that's associated with a PC or a standalone? Uh, probably PC. PC? My guess. So the wires didn't bug you too much? No, but on the other hand, it's also that I need an excuse to get a PC because I would like to go back to gaming. PC gaming. How have you been playing Doom, then? On uh, Xbox? I've been playing it on Xbox. Oh, okay, that might also explain some of your weirdness feelings. That, you know, that's fair. That's completely fair, because, uh, yeah, I think I'd like it more with a keyboard and mouse. Yeah, maybe I can show you that Monday, too. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> All right, so moving on, you've been playing, I guess, a game called Donut Country, which... Uh, uh, Donut County. Sorry, Donut County? Yeah. So, Donut County is uh, the game that... I guess the sequel will be Donut Country. (laughs) That would make sense. Uh, Donut County is Apple's game of the year for iOS. And uh, I had seen it talked about a whole lot online. Mm -hmm. And I figured, okay, I'm going to chip in the five bucks and give it a shot. And uh, the premise of Donut County... (laughs) You almost have me say country. The premise of Donut County is that... uh, 
when they say donut hole, it's not an actual donut. It's a hole in the ground. And uh, you have a hole in the ground that you use your finger to move around on screen. And what you end up doing is you end up having items fall in the hole. And when an item falls in the hole, the hole ends up getting bigger. And when the hole gets bigger, you can end up getting larger and larger items. And the whole premise of the game is to pretty much suck in everything in the stage. And uh, there is a bit of a storyline where uh, you... The storyline is that a bunch of raccoons move into a donut shop and okay. uh, they replace the donuts with uh, they pretty much send holes to suck people into the earth. And yet it's still somehow a more coherent story than Katamari Damacy. And a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the game is very reminiscent of Katamari in a lot of ways because in for those of you that haven't played Katamari, Katamari, you're a little prince and you have a ball and things stick to the ball. And as the ball gets bigger, you can have larger and larger things stick to it. And in Donut County, you have a hole and the hole ends up getting bigger and you suck more and more stuff into the void there. An anti-Katamari. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if something is an anti-Katamari, it's still a Katamari. Katamari. But there was no, uh, there's no king talking about how how much he really wants a bigger... Katamari. No king. And how much you disappoint him. Yes. Oh god, that king gave me emotional issues. <laughs> <laughs> he triggered you. Yeah. Oh, hmm. How big is your ball? Hmm. Ten meters. Uh, I guess that'll suffice. <laughs> Royal Rainbow. <laughs> Royal Rainbow. <laughs> so, um, Donut County is one of the great things about games is that uh Good games have a tendency to be a throwback to something else you've played, but being different enough that you can appreciate the ways that it's different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Donut County, I definitely recommend that you give it a shot. And, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it in follow-up. After I give it a shot. Yes. Maybe uh, next Wednesday so we can talk about more games. Okay. okay. This is what we do here on ALH. We uh, we get to a topic and then we beat it to death. Yes. Tesla and now games. Yes. <laughs> I think we go around and make, uh, you know, we increase the number of Tesla haters out there by how much we talk about it. <laughs> how many of our listeners are now driving like a coal-powered vehicle? Yeah. All right. So the last thing is uh, a game called Just Shapes and Beats. And this is... A game that was basically designed for me. Um, I like Geometry Wars and shoot 'em ups and avoid 'em ups, and I really like music games and things with thing, mu- games that go to the music. Hence the Res and Luminous and oh yeah, everything like that. Um, and this game combines them by being a game with geometry, with geometry, hence the shapes mm-hmm. and also beats that inform the levels. We we interrupt this podcast to let you know that <laughs> that we are going to get a little bit spoilery, and we suggest that you actually play at least the demo of Shapes and Beats before you continue listening. It's available on both Steam and the Switch um, because it it gets a little bit less spoilery after you get to the end of the demo. But I, I think it's enough of a thing that you should probably play it first. Yeah. And we'll do our 
Spoiler Wilhelm scream here. Yeah, but unlike, say, Geometry Wars 1 and 2, there are boss fights. Yeah, this one does have boss fights, and they are very interesting boss fights. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Geometry Wars 3 does have bosses, but that one doesn't count. That's that's yeah. the that's the black sheep of the Geometry Wars games. It really is. And the co-op, I, I was disappointed that it ended at only like 10 levels. Mm-hmm. I thought that like after you beat the boss, because it looked like it was going to go up afterward. Right. Uh, by the way, we are talking about Geometry Wars 3. <laughs> yes. And uh, we're not talking about our disappointment in Just Shapes and Beats. Yeah, Just Shapes and Beats is excellent. Okay. Unlike, unlike Geometry Wars, it has bosses. And they are very interesting bosses. And the first one shows up at the end of the demo. This this boss, you, you think it's going to go, and uh, after you defeat it, it's, you think it's going to go away, and the credits roll, and it's all nice and happy, and there's birds flying around, mm-hmm. um, and then you get to the, the end of that little thing, and this boss comes back to light and beats the pulp out of everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's fun, especially the boss fights, because uh, in Shapes and Beats, you generally are allowed to be hit, I want to say, three times yeah. within the general play, but then within the boss fights, they give you more energy. Like, yeah, I think it's like eight. I think it was six. It's either six or eight. Yeah. yeah probably six. Yeah. So, I mean, unlike, uh, unlike something like Geometry Wars, Geometry Wars was completely unforgiving with its boss fights. Mm-hmm. You get hit once, you're dead, and you have to start start over. Uh, with this one, you have, you know, a good six to eight hits. Right. And if you're playing the game multiplayer, this game does support multiplayer. Um, you are able to, if, if they run out of life, you are able to bump into them, and they'll come back to life as long as they have not yet drifted off of screen. Um, after they die. Does it actually take uh, any of your help? No, but it only gives them one life. And usually... See, the thing is, you would think that this would make the game easier, but in reality, because of your compulsion to save your friend, it actually makes the game harder. Because you you really want to save your friend. You don't want them to drift off screen. You want to be able to have them keep playing... But if you do, you have to, like, do a weird dash to get to them. And, like, there's already tons of chaos on screen. It actually makes the game harder, I think. I mean, that's your compulsion. I'm, I don't feel compelled to save my friends. Well, then the game's not really any harder. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, except, uh, except for having another thing on screen that you have to ignore. See, I'm the guy in New Super Mario Brothers that plays with my friends and throws them in the pit on purpose. Oh man! <laughs> well, it's luckily you can't actively hurt the other player then. Oh well, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> other than maybe flying around them and distracting them. Okay, but I mean, I can see how it would work really well in multiplayer, since generally um, you don't really interact with your environment much in this game. It's more along the lines of remembering specific positions mm-hmm. and being able to do dodges effectively. Right. So, I mean, realistically, this is the kind of game where if you wanted to have 16 players in this, if the game actually supported it, it would work as a... Yeah, it would work. Because the only thing that you would have to be concerned about is where they are floating when they die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and also, in order to... One of the mechanics is a, a little dash, and you're invincible when you're in the dash. And I think that's one of the sort of primary mechanics for not dying. Yeah. 
Although it still is kind of challenging because you need to make sure that you're dashing to the right place. Yeah. You're not dashing into something into something that will so hurt you. In in shapes and beats, um, basically anything that's blue is good and anything that's pink will kill you. And if it's just like fading in pink, it won't kill you yet, but it will eventually kill you when it becomes full pink. Right. So if something's fading in pink, it means that you have to move out of the way in order to, uh, you know, not get hurt or not die. Yeah. And there's certain levels where it looks like you're pretty much doomed because the entire level is effectively some sort of shade of pink. (laughs) So you have to get out of the way into things that are not yet fully pink Mm -hmm. in order to not die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I haven't made it entirely all the way through the game. I made it a little bit past the demo, but there were some uh, some of the levels that I played outside of the demo I found really satisfying because um, you were saying when I ended up playing it that I wouldn't use the dash enough. Mm-hmm. There were some game, there was a level that was specifically made for just kind of moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lot of because what it is is it's a whole lot of different uh, particles on screen that are yeah. rotating in a specific direction, and you have to make minor adjustments to make sure you're not getting hit. Right. And I'm playing that, and I'm going, oh, okay, this is this completely fits with my style of gameplay. Haha! <laughs> 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 Damn you, Dash. But uh, yeah, I can only imagine that it's going to get harder the more I play through it. Yeah, um, and we might want to like circle back to the bot. Did you? do more than one boss or i did the two bosses i did when the boss ended up coming back okay right so just just the ones so the ones that i saw you play basically yes the ones you saw me play and then i did a couple levels after that okay because i had to play it when i ended up buying the game i had to play through it again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's worth going over like uh what the boss does i mean the uh the boss ends up being kind of like a uh the thing it reminds me of most is in Contra 3, there was something called the Tri-Transforming Wall Walker that would end up having kind of two arms that would end up sticking to the wall. Where this thing is, um, this thing has, in the beginning, two arms that ends up smashing into the ground and ends up doing various things in various positions. But then eventually it ends up getting forearms, and then it eventually ends up changing in other ways as well. Yeah, and I think it's worth going over like how it comes in mm-hmm. as well. And 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 the thing that sort sort of reminds me of is like, do you remember that old? This is back before we had internet memes, but the the have a nice day meme with the the smiley face. Yeah, I could see that. But except it, has, it is except it is red. It's red and has kind of like a, a little small devil horns. Yeah, and looks malevolent. Yeah, and so it it comes in originally. It starts off as a circle, and then in time with the music, it adds additional parts to itself so it adds the the horns and the horns like move and shoot at you mm-hmm. um according to the music and then um it's what it's introduced as in a, a dubstep track and so after the drop for <laughs> the initial drop uh its arms come out and it's it does it in a, like a punching motion in time with the music mm-hmm. is very brutal yeah and it wor- it works so well with the music I mean, it, it makes it uh, it makes it better. I find that uh, not enough games have it where the music works perfectly with the boss. It's paired well, but it doesn't sync well. And this game has it where the music syncs really, really well. Yeah. With what's going on. Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. And even in the non-boss levels, there there's a lot of 
ways that the music really goes along with it. Like there's certain levels that are sort of ocean-like and the waves go like along with it. And then there's like these little, they look like cactuses really. Mm. I don't know if you've seen them. I don't think so. But there's like these little cactus guys that pop out and when they're good, they're um, blue. And when they're bad, when they've been corrupted by the evil smiley face, uh, (laughs) they are uh, red. And so there's ones that come out and there's things that look like um, spikes uh, on the ceiling um, and they throw them down and then they splash in the what looks like an ocean below and like little droplets come out of it. It all goes in time with the music. It's And I take it you really have to cool. avoid the droplets. Uh, one level you actually don't because they're not full pink. But oh, okay. On a different one you do. Oh, okay. There's another boss where they go and they throw things down into... It, it's sort of like an equalizer at the bottom, it looks like, except that it moves like an ocean. Oh. And uh, they throw things down into it, and then there's like a wave that comes up, and then the wave splits like you would expect, and it has a little crest in the center, and you have to d- dodge it appropriately. And that's, that wave still even goes with the music, and it's really well done. Well, when I get further along, it's probably something we should do follow-up on. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to ALH, and thank you to our... I don't even know how many Patreon subscribers we have now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our divide by zero Patreon subscribers. (laughs) And we'll uh, talk to you next week, probably about more video games. Hooray. Bye everybody. Bye. Get an extra 10% off. If you use the code, this is not a valid code.